This is the organic stream. Welcome. If you look at the history of civilization, there is a direct relationship between the decline of soil quality and the decline of those civilizations. All these things came from the earth, they need to go back to the earth. We're not just keeping this stuff out of the landfill and making a product. And that's the attitude you have to take. Every single day, somebody knocks on your door and says, Can I have your waste please? If you collect waste alone, then you will have Hi there, and welcome to the Organic Stream Podcast, episode 32. This week's topic is big data and smart cities how data management and technology are changing the way we plan our cities and, in our case, the way we can develop better-performing recycling systems. And on this episode, we speak with Marco Mattiello of a northern Italian company called Contarina, which is behind one of the most successful zero-waste programs on the planet, reaching an 85% recycling rate in an area covering around half a million people. We'll be talking to Marco about how data technology has helped their recycling systems, particularly in terms of decreasing the contamination rate and improving engagement. We are talking about the 300 lorries that are on the roads, on the streets uh, every day. So for us, it's also very important that each operator will be able to communicate not only with the headquarters, but also with his colleagues. And in part two of this episode, we'll be briefing you on the latest happenings from Brussels in Belgium, where, as always, zero-waste lobbying efforts are underway. After the new European Commission withdrew the waste policy package, which had been developed over the last four years, Zero Waste Europe held a workshop to demonstrate the economic, social and environmental benefits of municipal zero-waste programmes, inviting Contarina and the city of San Francisco to share their experience with an audience of European influencers. We'll be reporting on that workshop and the 2015 Circular Economy Conference that took place in Brussels as well, which will help you get a sense of what the future now holds for Europe. We need to indeed still keep our focus on waste. Some people say we should stop saying waste. No, it's not true. And we need to move our policies so that they will reflect better the waste management hierarchy, starting by prevention, reuse, recycling, and then uh, disposal, which is the last part. I have a couple of mentions now to make as well. Firstly, the International Compost Awareness Week is taking place this year between the 4th and 10th of May in Australia. Celebrated in Australia, Canada, the UK and the US, this exciting week is packed full of activities, events, competitions and publicity, all with the goal of improving awareness of the importance of compost, something we're all passionate about. If you're interested, have a look at the growing list of events on the ICAW website and join one of these events to celebrate Compost Week. The link is in the description on our page. And before we start, I'd like to thank Sartori Ambiente for making this episode possible. Sartori Ambiente supplies systems and containers for effective waste segregation and management, paying attention to how waste is collected and the needs of the householders to deliver the most practical and convenient solutions. Constantly committed to researching and developing new systems, Sartori Ambiente can turn the most ambitious project into a reality. And now to the first part of our show. 
Thanks to the wonders of technology, we're now able to collect vast amounts of data and invent brilliant new ways to use that data to improve all sorts of systems and processes. Big data, large-scale data tracking collection systems, are already beginning to reshape our cities and disrupt certain sectors within city planning. For example, it's now being used in some places to optimise the timing of traffic signals to reduce congestion, or to allow city residents to report potholes and broken signs via text. So it's definitely changing the landscape and is set to become a big part of how we design our systems and how people interact with these systems as well, like recycling for example. Contarina's use of data management systems is an example of this. Contarina serves the province of Treviso and Treviso City in northern Italy, which, thanks to the combination of source separation, door-to-door -door collection and a pay-as-you-throw system, has one of the most successful recycling rates in the world. And this success has been aided greatly by Contarina's use of an RFID tracking system. The RFID tracking system consists of RFID, or radio frequency identification, tags, and a sensor system. The tags are used in many ways today, from tracking products and manufacturing to tracking pets, and essentially how they work is that they emit a radio frequency that can be picked up by a sensor, and the data within the chip can then be collected and stored in a database. For waste management, they have been very useful, especially for collecting data on individual bins and tracking performance. So we met with Marco Mattiello in Brussels in a hotel lobby after the Zero Waste Europe workshop to talk to him about how Contarina's use of the tracking system has impacted their performance, the benefits it has afforded them, and to get a glimpse into what the future may hold for big data technologies in their system. We invite you as well to download the PDF case study from our episode summary section produced by Zero Waste Europe if you want to get all the details from their programme. Let's take a listen. So I'm here at the Zero Waste Workshop in Brussels and I'm joined here with Marco Mattiello at the moment. Uh, Marco, thank you very much for coming on the show and I'll just jump straight into the first question for you. Um, Contarina has one of the most successful recycling systems in Europe and the world um, with a recycling rate of up to 85% and only 53 kilograms of residual waste per inhabitant per year in the areas that you service. Um, the success comes down to a lot of factors, of course, maintaining a curbside collection scheme, separate collection of waste, and of course, the use of smart data systems as well. So to start us off and to give the audience a bit more context, can you run us through the different areas you service and the types of bins that you use? Um, Ascontarina area is wide and uh, we work both uh, on historical centers and urban centers, but also on, uh, on, in the countryside. Uh, we can offer to our users different kind of beans. The beans we use are the organic waste, bean, residual waste, glass, plastic and cans, paper and optional, the green bean for users that have a garden, for example. Mm -hmm. And just to clarify, uh, what you mean by organic waste here is food waste, right? It's food waste, yes. Um, then the different size of beans. Uh, we have beans, uh, 30 liters beans, uh, dedicated uh, to our users and uh, families that live in uh, 
complex urban areas, so for example, condos or historical centers, while users that have a bigger house and the garden, we give them the 120 liters bins. Okay, so you have a range of options there for various areas. And uh, all these bins now feature RFID chips. So for your system, how do these chips integrate in the bins and how does it work with the scanning system? Um, the RFID chip uh, is on the edge of the cover for, for each bin. Um, just to, to give you an information, we are using this technology since more than 10 years. And as you know, technology runs. So uh, while uh, before we had to use uh, a special uh, scanner that has to be closed uh, each time our operator uses it, had to, to be close to the to the bin. Now with the newest technologies, uh, using uh, an antenna that is uh, on our lorries, so we are able to scan directly from our trucks from our lorries. Uh, each bin. All right, so the technology has improved a bit. That's really great to hear. Now, in terms of the pricing model that you have for users, which is a very important component of a successful zero waste program, um, there is a fixed fee, first of all, based on the number of household members, and then a variable fee on top of that, based on the number of residual waste pickups. You also have a discount for home composters and then a fixed quota for garden waste as well. But when it comes to the residual waste now, um, in order to calculate these fees, it's important for you to measure the number of pickups. And that's why a tracking system is so useful, I presume. But could you tell me more then about this pricing model and how it works? Uh, we, we base our fee on the number of uh, residual waste uh, being uh, removed. So, of course, we, we need to know exactly for each user how many times their bin has been emptied. So each operator brings the, the residual waste bin to be emptied. Uh, what is interesting is that as our fee is based on the number of, of removal of pickup, uh, we don't really care, let's say, on what is the exact weight of uh, each bin because uh, the, the user obviously will uh, bring out uh, its bin when it's full. There's no reason to bring out uh, the residual bin uh, when it's half full because they will pay more. So, of course, uh, when the lorry arrive at the transportation, uh, uh, we know exactly what is the weight of, of the lorry, but not for each single bin. Okay, so that's important. Uh, charging per pickup, then and not by weight, can reduce the number of pickups as people won't put out half-empty bins. So with all this information that you're obtaining now in real time, uh, we can get a picture then of the unique opportunities you have here in terms of system optimization and increasing user participation or satisfaction maybe. Uh, in terms of the user then, you have an online database that users can use to view their data, um, which is quite interesting. Can you tell us some more about what the user can see on this database and how it benefits them exactly? <coughs> Each user has, uh, of course, their own username and password when they can check in real time 
how many times their residual waste bin has been emptied, at what time and which day. As every family, as depending on the number of household, has a, a, a number, a fixed number of emptying uh, during the year, so they know how many times uh, they could uh, uh, still uh, empty the residual waste bin uh, uh, instead of paying paying more for extra uh, pickup. Excellent. And um, when talking about smart data systems, I just want to mention here that we see a lot of potential to use this collected data uh, in new and interesting ways. For example, well-performing households or areas can be rewarded for their good work or be top of a leaderboard maybe as well uh, to create friendly competition between neighbourhoods. Um, there are a lot of potential ways to use this data and Contarina especially is known for the continuous improvement culture which is essential for reaching zero waste I think. Um, so what are you developing right now with this smart data system? Uh, what are the next steps you're looking at? Uh, we are developing a software in order to have a real-time uh, connection between our operators, our lorries that are on the roads every day. We are talking about the 300 lorries that are on the, on the roads, on the streets uh, every day. So for us, uh, it's also very important that uh, each operator will be able to communicate not only with the headquarter, but also with his colleagues. I give you an example. If uh, at four in the morning when all our trucks are on the roads, uh, there is a car accident, the operator will be able to inform uh, his colleagues uh, that there is a uh, a car accident on that road, on that street, so his colleagues uh, can change their route uh, instead of being stuck in the, in the traffic jam. Okay, so yeah, that's really exciting, very interesting way of using the technology. Uh, and looking at your data system management as well then, how many of your staff members are, are dedicated to the IT part um, of the system uh, in relation to the population you're covering? Uh, for us, the population we are covering is more than half a million inhabitants and my colleagues that are working on IT departments are a dozen. A dozen, okay. Um, and in relation then to the recycling rates and your future plans, you aim to go even further with a 96.7% recycling rate and only 10 kilograms residual weight per person by 2022. Uh, this will challenge you, I'm sure, to find innovative solutions and collecting and managing data would play a big part in this, I imagine. Uh, so how are you planning to leverage this smart data system or big data in general to achieve zero waste? Well, big data for us are very important. First of all, for lower contamination on our on our waste, and also to have a lower quantity of residual waste. As we are, our goal will be of reaching 10 kilograms per inhabitant per year. And of course, it's really important for us. It's extremely important for us to improve the consumption habits on our citizens, on our users. All right, excellent. And uh, finally, just before I let you go, I'd just like to ask you about green job creation now. How does this fit into your zero waste vision as a company? Uh, 
for us is extremely important. Uh, well, we, we, we are not also working on green jobs. I mean, Contarina's employees are, are green jobs, but uh, we are very interested and we are looking forward to create uh, new green jobs, uh, especially because uh, this, this financial crisis, not only in our region, in our country, but unfortunately in all Europe, uh, has made a huge number of unemployed people. So bringing uh, our models uh, in new territories, uh, we know that we can create, uh, compared to the traditional uh, street uh, collection, uh, waste management, uh, uh, we are creating uh, new positions, new green jobs. So we are very glad uh, to help people and to give a job uh, to, to the people, to the citizens that are not that lucky and are, today are unemployed. Very good. Uh, we hope that will soon become a reality. Uh, Marco, that's all we have time for, so I'll let you go. Uh, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. That was Marco Mattiello of Contarina giving us an insight into their use of smart data technologies. And now we move on to the second part of our show, which is on the events that took place in Brussels last month. And I'd like to mention as well that on the new events section on our site, we're launching video briefings from events so everyone can get up to speed on a selection of events we partner with. So do check that out. Now, during our trip to Brussels, we attended the workshop on the best zero waste practices in the US and the EU, organised by Zero Waste Europe on the 4th of March, and the 2015 European Circular Economy Conference on the 5th as well, both of which were organised in the wake of the new European Commission's decision to withdraw the waste policy package that was on the table after four years of work. The package, which was intended to increase recycling levels and tighten rules on incineration and landfill, was scrapped on January 22, 2015, with the Commission promising to come back with a package that has a wider vision and more ambition for next year. The waste package was withdrawn and uh, we were not happy at all with that. It showed an undemocratic way of dealing with legislation by the new Commission. It was withdrawn and in the same time it was said by the Commission that it will come back more ambitious. Yet there is no reason to believe that it will be really more ambitious within such a short period of time. It took the previous Commission four years to come with this one. And that was Piotr Borsak of the European Environmental Bureau sharing his thoughts with us during the conference. The decision has stirred up a lot of anger and debate, some calling it a missed opportunity, others saying it's undemocratic, and more still wondering what this will mean for the future of sustainability in Europe. Here is Kestutis Sadaskas, Green Economy Director at the European Commission's Environment Directorate General, during the Circular Economy Conference, giving us a little insight into current Commission thinking. We are retreating into internal reflection and thinking how we can uh, square that circle, how to make it realistic, but also more ambitious at the same time. Uh, yet that retreat is not behind closed doors. And what we need to do is to get back to reality, to reconnect to the real, see what facts are there, what uh, developments are, are taking place on the ground, and I know that they are really fast, what technologies are coming into play, how we can use them for our vision, and also how to make it uh, more attuned to economic uh, instruments. 
I, I want to caution that probably what we will need to do is to set ourselves a longer action plan rather than just to drop a bunch of regulations and see how things go. Some of the things will be legislative, some of the things will have to be semi-legislative or in the form of bylaws. Some of the things probably could be uh, uh, soft laws or even voluntary approaches. Uh, these are all open issues for us. As you can hear, there is of course not much commitment to anything specific, so it's hard to get a sense of how exactly it will develop. So during the conference, one of the big questions on people's minds was just what did the Commission mean by being more ambitious? And Castutis gave us a few ideas on that front as well. We have to look at the other part of the circle of the circular economy and the other part is nothing but the waste prevention. And probably this is not, uh, not the easiest one, to say the least. Uh, could be uh, rather demanding and by the way, it could be rather controversial because what we're talking about is um, basically how we live. And this is a, quite an intrusive approach. Can we go that deep into these concepts? But if we want to do the full circle of the circular economy, we probably have to. Many like Piotr Barsak strongly agreed that prevention should play a bigger role. But he, among others, was adamant as well in stressing that the new proposal should keep a focus on waste and recycling targets. We should not lose the focus on waste. The proposal was waste proposal, was not circular economy proposal. I hear a lot of roadmaps, a lot of uh, long action plans, but... I remember one from 2011, Roadmap for Resource Efficiency. And waste proposal was finally, after three years, the only concrete step that was done by the Commission so far. And it was withdrawn. By a reason that I hear now, a short break. I'm sorry, we are not taking short break. Waste is produced all the time, and waste has to be um, treated. This is why waste proposal, the new waste proposal, should remain ambitious. And Commissioner Valahut said today, this morning, that the targets will remain. What's clear from the conference as well is that there will be a focus on business and building markets. We need to incentivize the use of uh, secondary raw materials. And I, I think the way that we need to go about that is what we recognize is that, and we see that there's companies, more and more companies that would like to be able to bring in the secondary raw materials, but they, there's a little bit of concern about the quality. So we need to work towards setting standards and identifying and showing that the secondary raw materials are as good or better than the virgin materials. And so that needs to be done. But to start to, uh, I'll say, prime the pump, uh, what would be helpful is to really get some incentives. And that could be perhaps reduced VAT tax for using secondary raw materials or even on the other side some incentives for uh, or setting up recyclable content within certain products. So I think those types of things could really help and enhance the market startup. That was Gary Crawford, Vice President and International Affairs at Veolia, giving us his view on what he thought should be a driving issue moving forward. And one of the concerns, and something we wanted to highlight as well, is the fact that energy recovery or incineration is well subsidized at the moment, and the resource recovery and redesign is not, or at least not to the same extent. Many are wondering now if this will change, and we asked Piotr during the conference to give us his thoughts on the matter. Waste is a mistake of a system, and if we treat it as a resource, that is an argument for incineration. Okay, let's burn it. But it's not true. If something is not recyclable, the better way to deal with that is to design out this product, 
there is an, a new concept starting at the European Commission, which is an energy union, which has in one of its communication a sentence that uh, we should look more in detail on waste to energy. We could say that maybe finally uh, waste to energy will be clarified as a uh, very inefficient way of dealing with resources. But on the other hand, we worry that some lobbying powers can still um, ask for more incineration as, as a way to deal with problem of landfills. And this, here they push for an idea which is called zero waste to landfill, which is a very exact, I would say, um, hijack of a zero waste campaign. So zero waste to landfill is, is a wrong concept that is uh, actually giving incentive to incineration. So we have yet to see what role energy recovery will play and how big a role it will play as well in the new package. And during the workshop, Best Zero Waste Practices in the US and EU, organized by Zero Waste Europe the day before, we heard similar concerns about energy recovery and the waste package withdrawal more generally. I think it is appalling that the Commission has decided to withdraw the circular economy package. It is also um, shocking that they say that they withdraw it so that they do something more ambitious when in fact they could have actually modified the package without withdrawing it. Um, I strongly believe that that gives a very wrong signal. We are wasting time for an area where action is urgently needed, not only because of the jobs it would create and also the environmental benefits, but also because the taxpayer at the moment is been uh, too much for the waste to be treated. Um, I am very, very concerned that despite the fact that the Commission says that they want to do something more ambitious, we saw last week that the Commission also proposed there's going to be a communication on energy from waste. It's very clear, let's say, unambitious uh, communication. If they're really concerned about closing the circle and making that linear production model um, a circle, incineration does not have a role for that. So I'm very skeptical that actually the real um, reason for the withdrawal of this of the circular economy package is actually to make it more ambitious. That was Ariadna Rodrigo of Friends of the Earth Europe sharing her views with us during the workshop. And amid these concerns, it was an opportune time to bring some concrete examples of truly ambitious zero waste policies that are working right now to demonstrate to the Commission that high diversion rates are indeed possible. This was the aim of the Zero Waste Workshop, and the workshop saw two case studies, Contarina in northern Italy and San Francisco, demonstrate how diversion rates of up to and over 75% are achievable. We spoke with Zero Waste Europe's Jean-Marc Simon, moderator of the workshop, about the two case studies presented and what the Commission should take away from their stories. Well, I think that San Francisco has been very good at political leadership, when nobody else in the world there to go for zero waste, they, they decided to go this way and they have a mayor who believed in it and without knowing what they were doing, they said I want to go there and then how to get there came later. And that, that is quite inspiring and it shows that really like the political vision is very important. From Contarina it shows that it's possible to have uh, with technical expertise, with involvement of people and consistent work, it is possible to have technical solutions for almost everything. And the fact that they are now at 85% and they are aiming at 96%, it shows that they actually have plans and they know, have the technical capacity to get there. And that for me, it's a, it's a well, this technical expertise from Contarina with door-to-door separate collection and pay as you throw, now looking into residuals, etc. It's, it's something to take home, yeah. Representing San Francisco at the workshop was Jack Macy, Zero Waste Coordinator at the City and County of San Francisco, Department of SF Environment. 
And as we heard from Jean-Marc, San Francisco was unique in how it just went straight for a zero-waste policy and learned along the way. Jack Macy drove home this point to us when we spoke to him and was very clear about how important it is to have a zero-waste goal when building a circular economy. Zero-waste is an important vision and and the value of setting a zero-waste goal is to say we want to keep striving, you know, to become more and more sustainable, to utilize all materials, seeing the inherent value of the embedded resources and energy in materials. It's the same with circular economy. It's just like another way of looking at it. Essentially, we have an unsustainable linear system that we need to move to a circular economy for conservation of resources, for protecting our environment, and for other social and economic benefit. So equating the circular economy with zero waste is really important. But I would not let perfection be the enemy of the good. And if you wait to have the most comprehensive policy where you address all potential questions, you can just keep delaying and delaying. So, for example, there's a real value in setting a goal for zero waste and creating a zero waste policy, even if you haven't figured out how you're going to ultimately get to zero waste or whether it's even possible to get to zero. It may not be possible now to get to zero, But if we always have that as a goal, we keep striving to look at all the decisions we make. How does this help us lead towards zero? How does this help us lead towards a more circular economy? So I think that it's important to create a policy framework to steer us towards a circular economy when we don't have to have every single step of the way figured out. Because you can keep raising questions and concerns and saying we need more research, and that just becomes a delay tactic. And until you put forth that vision, that policy framework that we're going for a circular economy, people can say, well, we don't, we're not on the same page with that, so I'm going to go ahead and invest in incineration, which is inherently a linear economy component. It works against a circular economy. But if we have a circular economy policy, a vision, without every little piece being addressed, we have a very important map to say investing more into incineration does not fit into that. So my recommendation, for example, for the EU is that there be a strong package setting very ambitious goals so that everybody is on a level playing field moving together with the impetus of of that policy and not leaving it just to uh, an uneven marketplace that doesn't factor in the real cost, doesn't internalize all the externalities that we have. So we cannot rely on the marketplace. We need to have government set really strong, important policy, set clear rules, uh, and then we can, that can help channel proper investment. Great points there from Jack Macy about the importance of building strong policy in the beginning. And as you can hear from our briefing, a lot of valuable knowledge and experiences were shared in Brussels last month, and there's a lot for the Commission to take in and digest. We have yet to see how this will play out, and indeed, while there is hope for the new package, that it might be more ambitious than before, there is quite a lot of scepticism too. Of course, it would be a perfect opportunity to bring in stronger waste targets and promote the waste hierarchy with a greater emphasis on reuse and redesign, but we'll have to wait and see. So that about wraps it up for our events briefing this week. If you'd like to hear more from the workshop, you can find the full versions of these interviews as video briefings with bonus materials such as downloads and an events slideshow in our events section on our website. Just click on the events button on the homepage and it'll direct you to the Zero Waste Europe workshop video briefings. 
And that's all for this week. I do hope you enjoyed the show and the slightly new format for this episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can leave them on our site, organicstream.org, or you can contact us via Twitter. Our Twitter handle is TheOrgStream. And don't forget to tune in next time for more recycling stories. Bye.